And that was a Viking clap in honor of the, the Iceland national team. I did not know what that was until you just said that. What the? Well, I I was just I was just doing it. I, I didn't know that's we were doing the Viking clap. Oh yeah, that's the Viking well, I knew clap. What, you I knew the... what that was. I was just I was just doing it. For those of you who aren't familiar with podcasting over remote Skype, we each record on our. This is a little inside baseball, which is weird because this is a soccer podcast, but. We clap prior to starting recording to sync up our two recordings. And with the World Cup just three days away, we did we subconsciously did the Viking clap of Iceland in honor of Iceland, who will be taking part in the World Cup and who I will be cheering for and have getting out of their group. But we'll get to that. I, I, I do also want to address the elephant in the room since the last time we podcasted. Um, yes. Yes, I have been through an emotional hard time as it has been a month since any of my teams have won. With Liverpool losing in the Champions League final and Orlando City on a five-game losing streak with the exception of one game one against an MPSL side. And I'm... I, I, I'm dealing with it well, but I've come very close to crying in a couple of bars. So, on the plus side, the U.S. is doing well. Doing well, that's that's including winning against basically what is a Bolivia C side, maybe yeah, maybe even like a, a D side, side, maybe even a D side, losing to Ireland on the last second goal, and. Interestingly, drawing to a French side that will be, they said, after that match, will be heading to Russia. So what you're saying is we get out of the group. Well, we got out of the group with, <laughs> we got out of the group in Brazil with four points. So my, this is my point. <laughs> too bad it doesn't work that way, and too bad we're not going to the World Cup. So, so. in a group with Bolivia. France and Ireland, we we got four points, and we got four. We got out of the group at four points in Brazil. So, do with that what you will. And we'll get to that along with all three of those games and the women's game against China. But first, we must introduce ourselves. This is the American Soccer Broadcast, and I'm Alex Ryder, and I'm joined by Jordan Hawkins, a man who put together a winning bracket on FootMob from scratch in five minutes before this podcast. And it's going to it's gonna be an accurate one. Well, see, one. here's the thing. I waited until the very last minute because a lot of my group predictions were depending on how fit players were going to be. Particularly, two in particular. One being Mo Salah. Our Egyptian king. One being Mo Salah and the other being Paulo Guerrero out of Peru. Have you heard the story? Is I I did. Doesn't he have like some financial issues or something well, no. crazy like that? Uh, apparently it was a few months ago. Um, Paulo Guerrero, the captain for the Peru national team, uh, was. Banned because he tested positive for cocaine. Oh 
yes, yes, I do. I did. What he and what he said was that he was drinking uh, tea out of a cup that uh, either had trace amounts of what it, I guess is a common drink in Peru known as coca tea, which I guess has trace amounts of cocaine in it. And what happened was in, in he pe- tested positive for cocaine and the the thing is the amount that he got test he tested positive for was not nearly amount the amount what he would he would have had if he was actually snorting cocaine so this this, this got turned over this got turned this got delayed this got uh this actually got eventually got pushed to the Swiss judicial courts, which I apparently they they handle all uh, legal issues out of FIFA, because FIFA is based in Switzerland, and yeah, and then they ruled that he is able to go to Russia for the World Cup. He can also, if he really wants to, bring the cocaine into the stands, as we've talked about. Yeah, in the that's past. true. So, yeah, that's I. I was waiting to hear what's going to happen with him, because that actually de- depended a lot. Of, a lot of my predictions for uh, Group C depended on that. That being said, you go first, my friend. Who did you pick? Um, to win the whole thing. Start. Give us okay. your. Out of Give us your winner, your group winners, and who you got winning the whole shebang. Okay. Out of Group A, which is Uruguay, Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, I actually have Uruguay and Egypt getting out of the group. Uruguay winning the group. Uh, group B, which is Spain, Morocco, Portugal, Iran. Spain and Morocco getting out of the group. Spain winning the group. Uh, group C, which is France, Peru, Denmark, Australia, also known as the Socceroos, or as I have heard them called, Bizarro America. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I have France and Peru getting out of the group. France winning it. Group D, which is Argentina, Croatia, Nigeria, and Iceland. Uh, I have Argentina winning the group, and I hate to say it, because I'll be ruining them through the whole World Cup. I actually have Croatia getting out of the group instead of Iceland. Aww. I I had to go with my gut. Okay. Uh, group E, which is Brazil, Serbia, Costa Rica, Switzerland. Uh, I have Brazil and Serbia getting out of the group. Uh, but let's be honest, anything can happen, because... Who was predicting that Costa Rica would win their group in Brazil? This is very true. But that can anything can happen in the world. Uh, group F, which is Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and Korea. I have Germany winning the group and Mexico joining them. Okay. Uh, group G, Belgium, England, Tunisia, and Panama. Uh... I have Belgium winning the group and England joining them. And the last group, which is Colombia, Poland, Senegal, and Japan. I have Colombia winning and Poland 
I think you and I were almost dead on on almost all of our group winners, but we were off on a couple of on one group winner and a couple of outliers. I have in group A Uruguay winning with Egypt getting out with them. Group B, I have Spain winning with Portugal getting out. Group C, I have France winning with Peru getting out. Group D, I have Argentina, and this is where we started to vary, with Iceland getting out. I honestly think Iceland's going to get out of that group. Group E, I have Brazil winning, and I have Costa Rica getting out. out. Group F, I actually have Mexico winning with Germany getting out. So come at me, haters, because... I would argue that Group F is the group of death, but we I'd, can get I to that I would agree to that. I would agree to that. Group G, I actually have England winning with Belgium getting out. And Group H, Colombia winning and Poland. I would I would also say that Group E was, is a very tough group as well. Brazil, Serbia, Costa Rica, Switzerland. So who do you have advancing to the last four? Uh, last four. I have France, Brazil, Germany, and Spain. I have Brazil beating France and Spain beating Germany. And dollars to donuts, Brazil will beat Spain in the final. And France will beat Brazil in the bronze final. I have in the final four, France beating England and Argentina beating Mexico. With Argentina beating France and then Mexico beating England. Act, no, actually, I have England beating France, beating Mexico. And who is going to be your golden boot winner? Messi. I think Messi's going to. I I would win. I would get to that. Um. I think he's finally going to redeem himself. Hopefully, maybe that this will be the World Cup that he actually wins it all. Because, let's be honest, he deserves it. Uh, I actually have Timo Werner from Germany plays at the club level at RB Leipzig. I think he will actually win the Golden Boot. There you go. Well, Do you have any really ridiculous specific predictions? My two crazy predictions are, one, I think Iceland can get to the final eight. And two, I think Peru, and these are both very biased. One, because I love Iceland and will be cheering for them primarily. And two, because Peru, I we at Orlando City has a very good player for Peru, Yoshimari Yotun. And I think Peru can get to the Final Four if they play well. Fair those enough. Are my two big claims. I... I still think that either Argentina or Brazil are going to win. I didn't choose Brazil to get very far, but I still have our, either Argentina or Brazil winning it all. Especially considering, a little fun fact for you, with Justified winning the um, Triple Crown yesterday. Is it the Triple Crown? or It's, it's the Triple Crown. Okay. With Justified winning the Triple Crown yesterday... There was a fun stat that was posted. I'll give credit in the show notes. But in the previous iterations where the Triple Crown has been won on a World Cup year, a South American club has won. 
Really? Yep. Huh. So, I actually, fun. I actually have one ridiculous specific prediction. Harry Kane will be in the running for the Golden Boot, but England will not make it out of three. <laughs> There's your ridiculous specific prediction. How does that even work? Kane scores a lot of goals, but the English defense lets in a lot of goals. Okay. I, I, <laughs> because, really good. because they're young and experienced in a World Cup level. Okay. Okay. Well, it's sad that we have to talk about the World Cup on an American soccer broadcast without even mentioning the fact that the U.S. is in it. But, but, but let's be honest, why it's we're still here. the World Cup. Exactly, it's, it's still, still the a beautiful Cup. game. You just have to, you know, take a test from 23andMe to pick out who you actually want to cheer for. I mean, I know how, how I'll be. I do too, but it doesn't change the fact that 23andMe is trying to make U.S. fans feel better by saying, oh, you're of this nationality, why don't you cheer for them? Because they don't suck at soccer. Or put old men out on the field instead of a bunch of young kids. Not that I'm bitter or anything. No. Not bitter at all. Do you have, do you have kids, a favorite kit going to this World Cup? I do. I like the Iceland kit. I think it's pretty sweet. Primarily because I own one. Well, we've talked we talked about my favorite kit, which is Oh yeah. I love those Nigeria kits. Oh, those are by far the coolest, but I feel like th- there are very few countries that have as cool cultural stuff to use as that. Like, I mean, have you seen the American kits that they were going to wear to the World Cup? They're horrible. They're really bad. They're a knockoff of the Waldo kits. Oh my gosh. I miss the Waldo. I know- miss the Waldo. Uh... I actually have a second favorite kit going to this World Cup. Can you guess? The French kit? That is, a, that is a close one, but I was going to say Mexico's away kit. Really? It If you haven't seen this, it's white, and it has two stripes down across the middle. Uh, I, I just think it looks really, really classy. That is what you want to see at a World Cup, is classy kits. This has been Classy Kits with Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, that's the World Cup. World Cup's coming up. Three days. First games are Thursday. Try and make excuses to get out of work and watch them. I'll be watching at my desk. And inevitably, we'll be told to turn them off. So, And because I work third shift, I can, I'll probably lose sleep watching these games. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, you want to move on to actually talk about U.S. soccer and the our World Cup practice matches? I don't know what to call them. Our pre-World pra- pra- Cup well, matches. Practice matches. I mean, one of the one of these teams that played is going to the World Cup. So, yeah, one of them is, and we that's the one we drew. We there there are four matches we're going to talk about. Three for the men, one for the women. I think we should go in chronological order of when they took place. What do you think? Let's go. We start in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
where the U.S. took on Bolivia on Monday, May 28th, which was Memorial Day, where they won 3-0 to zero against what Jordan has termed as a Bolivian C-team. Well, goals... as, as I understood it, the only, te- the only players that were on this Bolivian team were from teams in the Bolivian Domestic League are already out of contention for the Bolivian domestic title. So, players from teams that are in the like the bottom third of the Bolivian table. So basically, the Watfords of Bolivia. Exactly. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> but um, and we had two premier goals. In we this did. game, Walker Zimmerman and Josh Sargent, both in their first games for the national team, scoring premier goals. We got a Timothy Way, his Timothy Way's first goal too. Yeah, all all goals were scored by players scoring their first goal for the national team. And let me let me just say, I really liked that Josh Sargent goal because. Mm-hmm. What led up to that goal is exactly what you are supposed to do as as a forward man. Pressure those defenders and the goalkeeper into making a mistake. Because you, you pressure them into, and they start thinking, do I pass there, do I pass there? And they, they become indecisive, and they end up making a mistake. What many people will refer to in future generations as the Loris Carius effect. He's not bitter. I, I'm not at all bitter. But anyways. Yeah, it, it, and it was great to see the average age of the starters. It was funny to listen to the, to the announcers talk about the average age. The average age was 22 for the starting 11 in this match. It went up to 23 when they played in Ireland a week later, but where <laughs> I'm just going to ask the question that I've been asking since these friend since these this call up list came out where were these kids 6 months ago and 8 months ago that's what everybody else has been asking why weren't they playing in Trinidad and Tobago why did we take a bunch of old guys and I don't care what you say Josie Altador is an old guy why did we take all these old guys out when we knew that the system was breaking down? When we knew that we were up against a very real problem. I mean, we had Clint Dempsey out there, for goodness sake. And no offense, but he's... I don't think... He will get one more call up. He will get his swan song later this year. And then we will never see him... In a U.S. jersey again. He has Just one more chance. One more. At least give him a chance to break the all-time scoring. Exactly. He's tied with Landon at 57. Just, Just give him one more chance. One, one, one more goal. That's, that's all. And, and this group gelled so well. Like you saw that goal celebration. They were gelling so and, well. Yeah, and you see, like, I forget who's in. You forget... I forget who, whose Instagram this was on, but you saw there 
was Julian Green, Timothy Way, uh, Winston McKinney, and they're all playing keepy ups. And I believe Joe Sargent was there as well. And I guess the rule is if you mess up, you get you get flicked on the nose. And the video you saw was uh, Timothy Way uh, getting his arms held back by Julian Green, and and I guess you could hear Josh Sargent off in the off the screen saying, "Suck it up." <laughs> and so there's chemistry you didn't, there. You didn't see you didn't see this seven months ago. You you there were. There, there were there were fractures that weren't being dealt with, that started when. That started after the 2014 World Cup, and they and they were they were present there, and they they weren't being dealt with, and it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that. Uh, a lot of the. American players were, felt that, these German Americans were, given priority. And that was never dealt with. It's a problem and it needs to be addressed. And I think it has been addressed just too late. But it's exciting to see and it's going to be exciting to see this team. I don't think we're going to put a little, a crappy little team together for the Gold Cup next year. I think this might very well be that team. I think we're going to bring as many people over from Europe as we can. Throw in some of the MLS guys that we know are good. And we're going to dominate the Gold Cup. It's not going to be being scared of Jamaica or Mexico. We're going to stomp into the Gold Cup. And, and let me, and let me just win. say that. These and guys may be the young. These guys may be young. But they're not intimidated by anybody. No. And the nice part about that, that is, too, is a lot of them are young enough where they were going through on, I think, during the Ireland game. There are eight or nine players that were on this squad, and I'm talking generally about the entire squad, that were are eligible to play in the 2020 Olympics. So next yeah. year, when we're going through qualifying, we're going to have a bunch of these players playing together to get so, yeah. more of the players that are in that are 17, 18, 19 years old that could also be coming up in the system to do the same thing. So yeah, th- we these... could have more Timothy Ways and Christian Pulisics and waiting. Yeah, so th- this upcoming Olympics in is it Tokyo? Yes, sir. Tokyo. This, these upcoming Olympics in Tokyo are more important than ever. Absolutely. And um, and speak, I, going back to that, not kid, these kids not being intimidated. The more I watch Weston McKinney, the more I like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yep. he he is the the kind of guy that will make a hard tackle if the, if this team is kind of lagging. He will make that hard tackle to kind of pump things up for the rest of the squad. And there was there was one in particular during the most recent match against France. Uh, it was N'Golo Conte dribbling through the midfield and 
in my opinion, Angola Conte is probably one of, if not the best midfielder in the Premier League. And Weston McKinney just goes right over the top of him and brings him down. Probably didn't think twice about it. And you'll like to see that, and let's hope that it, that doesn't get used against him, but rather gets used as a productivity tool to drive these guys on. I know it was a little troublesome moving on a little bit to the match against Ireland on Saturday, June 2nd. We were doing great. Bobby Wood's goal had us on a go-ahead, and we gave gave up the the goals in the 57th and the 90th minute. It was over. They They ran ahead of us. And that was fine. But we did. We still need to even at as we're building, we need to not give up. We don't give up a ninety-minute goal to let Ireland win, even in a game that doesn't matter. You need to put it all on the field for pride. I mean, what if this was the World Cup? What if this it was a World Cup qualifier? That first goal for Ireland. Would you say that's on Bill Hamid? Yeah, and or do you just want to have that conversation? Let's have that conversation. Because I'm ew, not great. Bill I, Hamid I, I, has I, not I, looked great. I think moving to move to Denmark. Yeah, and he's only played three games. He's only played three games, and there. I think that's affecting his confidence. And you saw that come to come to the surface during the Ireland match because mm-hmm. he was he wasn't sure if. Should I come off the line? Should I stay back? Should I go punch this ball? And that's what led to that that first goal for Ireland. Was it was it off a corner or a free kick? It was a free kick. It was a free kick. Uh, he he had that split second of indecision, and then he, then he said to himself, "Oh, I'm gonna go punch this ball and go get it." And I don't think he even touched it. He didn't even touch it. And one of the Ireland attackers snatch it up and put it in. And in contrast, if you compare him to Zach Steffen, who just yesterday, we're we're recording the day after the U.S.'s third match in Lyon, France, where he, Zach Steffen dominated. They would have lost that match if it wasn't for Zach Steffen. I'm going to be that bold because he had several punch-outs. France had 20 shots, some of them on goal, some of them off, and he only allowed in one goal, and our defense held. Yeah. We we only had two shots, and Zach Steffen came out of goal. He punched balls out. He tipped them over. There were some just gutsy saves, and I think that in this, that he has single-handedly cemented a firm lead in the goalkeeper race going yeah. forward, not to mention secured himself a possible transfer overseas at the end of this MLS season. De- depend- that, depending on what happens with Columbus. Yep. Well, pff, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, I this number one goalkeeper spot is, is Zach's to lose. And the only question is, is when we choose a coach, will they see that? Or is it going to be a full reset button and both Hamid, Hamid, Bono, and 
Stefan are all going to have to prove themselves again. So we'll see. Um, you want to talk at all about either Bobby Wood or Julian Green's goals? Because I thought Julian Green's goal was the probably the goal of the year for the U.S. I don't think we're going to get another goal like this this year. Scoring goals out of nowhere against Western European superpower, uh, football superpowers, is a very weird and very specific superpower. <laughs> I mean, w- when he scored, we could all hear Jurgen say, Yeah, Julian, yeah! And, and when that goal went in for France, I was like, against France, I was like, Is this real life? Wait, did that go in? And I think, like, the entire, every, friend, uh, every fan in that stadium was going through the same thought process. It's like, I mean, wait, wait, did that like, go in? Wait, wait, what? Huh? How? Cause, like Eagles fans cause he, realizing that the because he just that they actually won the Super Bowl. He just takes that because if he takes that a second touch on that ball, that ball's not going. No. He just takes he takes a first touch off the volley. It goes through Sidibe's legs, like it's like he's shooting through the middle of the Eiffel Tower, and <laughs> and it somehow get it gets past Hugo Lloris. And, and we're one nothing up against a team that a lot of people are picking to win the World Cup. So, by the transitive property, because we drew against them, does that mean that we are co-World Cup winners if they win it? Is that how that works? Yes. I'm going to take I'm, I'm it. Not, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if FIFA will agree, but yes. I mean, I'm sure President Trump will figure out a way. Moving on. Um, speaking of soccer matches that actually matter, the U.S. women, although play, still playing friendlies, have matches that matter coming up soon for the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. And in warm-ups of these matches, they are playing China, what, twice? They're playing China twice. They played them once already. Remind me where they played. The they played their first they match played them in U- in Rio They played them in Utah, Sandy, Sandy, Utah. Play and they won. This happened just two days ago. They won one to nothing against China with a. Have you seen this goal by Alex Morgan? I did. I don't think she really deserves credit because Megan Rapinoe's assist on this was it was pretty rad she put a near post cross in that was which is you know it's that's pretty stand for standard for so prepare ye the way for the 2019 world cup winners no sleep till france no sleep till france so um, but yeah it's again just like when we talked about the two games against Mexico, it's business as usual for the women. And I wonder if they've considered having the U.S. and the men's and women's coaches just switch sides. I mean, I would, I would have Alice coach the men. I mean, she's already won two World, she's already won a World Cup, so I would, I would be totally okay with it. 
I would love to actually see it. There, there has to be. I don't know if I've ever heard of a woman coaching a men's soccer national soccer club. Would be a powerful statement, and, and she'd probably do better than. She'd probably do better than Bruce or Jurgen. Let's let's call up Ernie. And that's my segue. Ooh, good segue. That's my segue. Nicely done. Nicely done. That's my segue. Ernie Stewart is now the general manager for the U.S. men's national team. The first of his kind. He is the George Washington of U.S. men's soccer GMs. And what everybody else is asking is, what in the world does this exactly And it me did you watch the interview yesterday? I, I did watch the interview and honestly I have more questions than than I did before. Because I think they don't know. Ernie Stewart doesn't even know. What 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 I learned from this is that he has one boss, the CEO of US Soccer, which is Dan Flynn. And honestly, I don't know where where to go from there because how much does how much say does he have in hiring a head coach? Uh, is he in heart, charge of youth development? Uh, how much say does he have in how the team will actually look? Because he said that he he has a say in um, what kind of style the men will play. So isn't that head coach's job, or is he going to hire a head coach that he sees eye to eye? Or is he going to hide, and this goes back to the whole com- the hierarchy conversation, building it up from scratch. We've already picked a new pre- USSF president, so we've got that. Now we have our GM. Next, we'll likely pick within days of the World Cup being over, we'll pick our new director. And then maybe by the end of the year, we'll have a coach. I think there is a real possibility that Dave Sarakin is the U.S. men's national team coach until the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I don't foresee him leaving that post until January camp. I, I foresee him coaching through the end of the year, and then we make the announcement. Say, here's our guy. The uh, the director picks him, picks our new guy or girl for that matter, and. In 2019, we go hard. We, which have you heard the news? One little thing we didn't discuss in the pre-show is the U.S. has officially declined an invitation to the 2019 Copa America. That is true because it, it and I'm not happy about it. it. It's it's unfortunate, but it it's it's way too close to the goal. I, I, I here's the thing: send the A team. I don't disagree that we should have the a team at the gold cup simply because we desperately need to dominate Concacaf, so we can secure our ranking in Concacaf in the future both for qualify um 2022 qualifying and for the Concacaf um nations league which is somehow determined and the confederations and we need to go to the Confederations Cup. We need every possible tournament between now and 2022. That means sending send a B team 
of, I don't care if you send an under-23 team. I don't care who. Send the Olympic team. I don't care who you send. Send the Olympic team to South America for a practice run for the CONCACAF qualifiers next fall. Do that. Have the Gold Cup. Boom. You've got both. Why not both? Why not both? And then, and then you also have the Nations League in the fall and Olympic qualifying in the fall. That's four competitions we could easily have two teams going to. Instead, we're only doing three of those with two teams. We need to, there needs to be practice for the Olympic teams. Send the Olympic team to South America. But it's too late because we, instead, Qatar and Japan are taking our place. Qatar, who, by the way, will be coached by... What's his face from real that just left Real Madrid for a metric crap ton of money? Zidane. I could not. I couldn't pronounce his name if you held a gun to my head. Zidane left Real Madrid to coach Qatar for the next four I years. I did not know this. For forty-five million dollars a year. And it won't make a lick of difference. <sighs> They're, they're going to get stomped. Absolutely cream. They're going to get stomped on that. But anyway, uh, one question I had before we move on about Sarakin. Say the men's national team finds success in the future. Say say we win, actually win the 22, the 2026 World Cup. How much credit goes to Dave Sarakin? For basically coming in and clearing the rubble? Clear, clearing the rubble a, and being that bridge between point A and point, point B. During, I think we should get re- a lot of credit. During this rebuild. He, he made the decision that most coaches haven't wanted to make, and that's cleaning house and starting fresh. And, he, and, no, and playing the kids. And, yeah. A U.S. coach hasn't done that since... I couldn't even... I. I couldn't even say a U.S. coach that's ever done that because it's not something we do. As a U.S. team, we've always held on to the players that we have trusted, not the young ones that are dependable and strong. And even then, when we need players, we leave them out of the World Cup. Just ask Landon Donovan. Instead, now we need him jumping off taco trucks. That That game was one year ago this week, the taco truck game. One year ago this week. But, yeah. I think that he deserves a place on the short list. I don't think he's going to get it, but I think he deserves to be at least considered. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think he'll be head coach, but I think he'll he'll deserve a lot of credit for being that bridge uh, during the rebuild. Yeah, and when he's done, I think that he'll end up as the head coach or the sporting director at any number of MLS oh, clubs. Yeah. Who knows? Absolutely. Maybe maybe FC Cincinnati will hire him. You think that's a good segue? Or yeah, let's, any other let's go to domestic. In domestic news, we now have, what is it, 26 MLS clubs? We will have 24 next season because in a... 
in what was a not very surprising announcement still got a surprise when Don Garber just a week and a half ago announced that FC Cincinnati of the USL will join the other 23 clubs of MLS as the 24th club in 2019. Even though it's being named MLS 2026, they are going to be the 24th to start play with Nashville not joining until 2020 and Miami still twiddling their thumbs and eating paste. To that I say, well-deserved. I can't wait to see what they do. I I think they're going to... They're going to sell that stadium out for these games. They're going to sell out, and then we'll see what happens. And then they're going to build a gorgeous new stadium stadium in downtown Cincinnati. Did you hear that the owner compared, um, compared their new stadium to Anfield during the announcement? I'm like, oh, wow. Well, I mean, it makes sense, though, because the reason one of the reasons Anfield is so great is it's literally just sprawled in the city center of Liverpool. So that's the comparison he's trying to draw. And it makes sense. I don't think it gets that's like (laughs) that's like comparing. um, What's a really good football stadium, like a classic football stadium? That's like comparing Old Soldier Field to a college stadium that's built in the downtown area. The 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 analogy kind of fell apart, but you get the idea. It, it, I hate it works New Soldier Field, but I could, I could I could see the gears. Yeah, yeah, the gears are kind of falling apart, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I I I love this I'm, move. I love it so much. I love that they're and I made this I made this call a couple months ago saying I think that FC Cincinnati could come in in 2019. I didn't think they had the balls to do it cuz they have to build a whole team and a whole marketing team in half a season. I mean, it seems to me they've already got quite a bit of the infrastructure and they've got a great deal with the University of Cincinnati for the next 2 years, but let's hope that they can come in and not completely embarrass themselves. That's what I'm hoping for. I hope that they can come in and at least compete. I don't want them to become a Minnesota United or, I hate to say it, an Orlando City. Because both clubs have come into MLS and utterly embarrassed themselves. To the point where I think Orlando is about to fire another coach. But we'll, I'm not going to go any more into that because... You can listen to me rant about that on the Orlando Lions Den podcast. A little bit of a plug there. There it is. Yeah, I hope they come in and prove themselves and they don't just... I honestly hope they, they come in and, and be the new Chicago Fire. They come in and win the MLS Cup in their first season. And they, they wow. do... They do they do well after that because let's be honest after winning that first MLS Cup Chicago Fire have to the point where and just real quick to the point where they are literally closing off an entire supporter section because the supporters apparently lit off smoke and literally none of their supporters showed up this weekend 
because of that. That's not how you treat your fans. That's not how you treat the fans that have put up with your crap and your mismanagement of a one of the original clubs. As someone from that grew up in Chicago and can't cheer for their soccer team because they don't believe in it, it's kind of heartbreaking. But let's hope that FC Cincinnati can come into the league and do well, but not lose their identity. The problem that a lot of these USL sides, including Orlando City, coming in to MLS is they lose their identity. They lose their identity and they forget where they came from and they lose that. Grass, and they, they forget they who got them there. Football. Yep, absolutely. And Don Garber is partially to blame that, for that, but we can have that debate another time. Um, Where do you stand on this whole Chicago thing? Do you think that it was utterly mismanaged, and do you think that their supporters were right in their reaction? I think it's poorly mismanaged. Uh, unfortunately, that's... That seems to be a theme in MLS with Chicago, Columbus, New England. It's 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 a virus that that seems to be spreading in MLS. And it's that fight between ultra supporters and soccer moms. They want to find that balance, and unfortunately, the biggest I wouldn't say the biggest fans, the most expressive fans are the ones that get punished. Yep. So, it's it it they need to find a middle ground and they need to find it quickly or they are going to lose it, something that makes a lot of these clubs fun to watch. So, um t- on a less somber note, do you want to talk quickly just glance over the fact that we are now going to have 38 USL clubs that next season? That is true. Uh, 38. New Mexico is getting an MLS club, which I am, all, I am all on board for this because I believe, last time I checked, the only so- soccer club that New Mexico has is, I think it's an MPSL side. Which... Good for them. I'm I'm a little surprised it's not coming in USL D3, but it's still very exciting to see that. And it'll be fun to see them against Phoenix Rising. That'll oh, yeah. be that'll, that's an that'll, instant, that'll be a fun rivalry. That's that's an instant rivalry. Uh, you can you can just put it out there. It's an instant rivalry. So, congratulations to them. And they're starting play. Are they starting play next season? I believe they are starting play next season. I believe season. you're correct on that. We now have five new clubs starting in USL next season. Um, as of now, four of them are confirmed. One of them is on hiatus, which we will address in a moment. We have Birmingham Legion FC, which will start in 2019. El Paso, Texas, starting in 2019, Memphis, Tennessee, and now New Mexico, with Austin, Texas, currently sitting in limbo, pending the outcome of the pre-court ownership group, which is looking more and more likely, which goes back into the whole FCC 
conversation that next year the Columbus crew will play in Austin, which is a travesty. It's wrong. And if anything is going to come of it, it's going to be that instead of Austin getting a USL team, I think it's very likely that that Columbus goes to the crew, go to Austin and do a very similar title swap. But to keep the context of the crew, a new crew team very easily could next season join USL just to keep those fans and to keep to keep the game being played in Columbus. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, do you think that's possible? Say say they move to Austin, I I am all for a new club. Much like starting what, play in twenty nineteen. Much, like much like what has happened in in Manchester, uh, a lot of fans had went off and cropped up a and a FC United of Manchester would, I believe, play in the National League currently. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like the similar story of Wimbledon. Yeah. With a- AFC Wimbledon, who was founded and kept getting promoted after the original Wimbledon club was moved. And now, ironically, yeah. AFC Wimbledon they, they, is they... higher than the old club. So... Yeah, that they, that's they a crop, possibility. It this, just sucks. I would really like for a fan-run, fan-operated club to be cropped up in Columbus and call it FC Columbus. Well, it, isn't FC Columbus already in existence? I think it already exists, and they're playing in the it, NPSL. It might, it might end in the NPSL. You might be correct on that. Move that get a bigger group if you're if if pre-court's going to have his way and there's very little that can stop him at this point if nothing's going to get in his way then transfer all the legacy to this FC Columbus including the name mm-hmm. and yeah they are FC Columbus is an MPSL club that started play this year i think for this exact reason they're actually yeah. playing the same um, same division as Detroit City and Grand Rapids. You, I you, think have they what's, took... you have what I believe, I mean, I think it's inevitable. What has happened in in Los Angeles with, with the start of LAFC, what's going to happen in Chicago once this USL Chicago team starts. Oh, every, yeah. every single supporter of the Columbus crew will migrate to this FC Columbus and you're going to have uh you're you're going to have uh, you're going to have a Nordique 2.0 at FC Columbus. What do you think that'll do for do you think they'll a keep the crew name if they do FC Columbus and two do you think that this would actually help the game in the long run by having keeping the legacy but also keeping a major club in a low putting that major club down to a lower division because then it'll help grow the game organically 
more than anything generate another conversation about promotion relegation. Or do you just drop the name altogether because they don't want to be associated with that? Um, I think I, I that's kind of what I'm going back and forth about in my head right now. Because on one hand, you do want to have that legacy because they're an original eight. Yeah. They are one of the original clubs. They are actually, no, they were actually the first. They built the they, they... first soccer-specific stadium. Mm-hmm. They were the first MLS club. So why would you throw all that brand recognition, all that love away? Not to mention all of their records. Why not say, hey, that franchise can leave, but we are Columbus But we Crew. are the crew. We are the crew. I mean, FC... I mean, I mean, I mean there were probably fans in both camps, honestly. And... However that goes, they should either way keep... It should be similar to San Jose. When San Jose moved to Houston, during that... they San Jose kept their records, their MLS cups, all of that. Do the same thing with Columbus and just have them playing in a lower league and maybe bring them back in. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I don't think with this whole Columbus thing, they come back into MLS until promotion and relegation is added. And God knows when that's going to happen. But that's just me. Who knows? I hope that he doesn't leave, but if he does do this to them, give him the USL club. Yep. Yeah, USL will be at at least 38 clubs next season, give or take a few, because you know that some of these clubs might move around, and it's going to be a giant second division. And it's almost we'll, like it needs to be pro- split. Probably we've seen a whole lot more USL D3 announcements coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are several USL D3 announcements that have been hinted at coming this summer. So, should so be exciting excited to talk for that. that. So, Lord willing, that. Lord willing, Fort Myers, bring bring soccer to the Palm City. Shall we send this show into the night? And we're doing it right at the hour mark. We shall send this show into the night. Well, in the past, I have done what I've called moments of zen. I'm not going to do that. This is a moment of... WTF. If you have not heard this, um, so I, I, I like to think this was in, this was originally in good intentions, but the Argentinian FA put out a handbook, uh, for players, (laughs) coaches, you've, you've heard about this. I think you have. I've heard about this. Keep going. They put out a handbook for coaches, players, uh, journalists, uh, basically what to expect in when you go to Russia, like how to how to learn Russian language, uh, culture. But somebody put in a chapter of how to bed a Russian girl in Soviet Russia. Woman beds you. And there it is. 
the to the person that wrote this chapter, I want to say, WTF. Why would you do that? <laughs> but the Argentinian FA has since apologized. Uh, they stopped a meeting when they realized that this chapter was in there and said, we screwed up. Now, if only <laughs> now, if only the U.S. would do that and admit that they screwed up in not making the World Cup. And as we as we march toward the World Cup, which starts in as I pull up my flip mob countdown, it's Thursday, which we'll, means uh, three days, 18 hours and 44 minutes. In about three days, 18 hours, and 46 minutes, most of the American casuals who only watch soccer every four years are going to realize that the U.S. isn't in it. Even though we've talked about this for the seven months. For those of you who are listening to this prior to Thursday, let me just comfort you. You For you, you knowing... About this heartache and this sorrow makes you a true fan. To those who are pretending, the pretenders and the plastics out there, they had no idea. They didn't go through this heartbreak. And they they won't appreciate Christian Pulisic hoisting the 2026 World Cup in Los Angeles, California, when the U.S. is selected to host the World Cup and win it. I mean, it's not like we'll be selected to win it. We're going to win it on our end. On our own. Volition. Yes, not through bribery. So, look for that coming up as the vote between us and Morocco. Morocco. Is this week. I believe it's on Tuesday. we We will find out where the 2026 World Cup will be. And it is looking very good for the United States. So, we'll see what happens. Jordan, where can the people hear you talk about that selection? They can find me on Twitter at, as J-R-A-Y Hawkins, tweeting about Sounders, Lansing United, Manchester United, all kinds of other Uniteds, uh, including the United bid for 2026. Indeed. I am Alex Ryder. I have been Alex Ryder. I will always be Alex Ryder. And the best place to find me is on Twitter at ghost underscore writer. You can also see pictures of me watching a five gallon bucket get set on fire at a U.S. Open Cup match on Instagram at ghost underscore writer. You can find me writing about Orlando City on OrlandoLionsDen.com and our podcast, the Orlando Lions Den podcast. And... Yeah, I will be tweeting about Iceland and Egypt. Go Iceland and Egypt in the World Cup. So have a great week. Enjoy the soccer and party on, people.